Happy Sabbath. Um, I bring stuff along because I don't always know what I'm going to exactly say. So I want some things here with me. Um, I would like to uh, uh, just share a little bit with you about a couple experiences, and then we'll have prayer, and we're going to take a look uh, here in a little bit with the Lord's blessing at his word. Okay. Um, How many of you heard uh, recently about the... um, Train wreck in Ohio. Train wreck, yeah. You, you know the name of the town, right? East Palestine. So anyway, I, I heard about that. I thought, I'm going to go there. So I did. And I went to close to the site where the train had wrecked, and I started knocking doors. And um, I found people who, some who, some who had been sick for weeks. I found some who had... Burning throat, burning nose, headaches. Uh, there was a, kind of a general concern there. Some people didn't appear to be concerned. One man that I met, he was there tending to his pets, but he said, I don't live here in town. He says, I live out of town. He didn't want to be close to the area. Another lady told me that she, um, uh, her, her sister, rather, uh, was not allowed to live in town because of health problems. So what I did is I went door to door and I handed out Ministry of Healing in the book Great Controversy to the people. And I also took with me um, a little paper that explains activated charcoal. How many of you know about activated charcoal? Did you know that activated charcoal will neutralize over 80 poisons known to man, including 29 of the 30 most poisonous poisons known to man, strychnine, nicotine, pesticides? So when I knocked on the door, I would say, sir or ma'am, when they came to the door, I'd say, I have something here that I think will be of interest in your community. And I had my little paper on charcoal, and I explained to them how charcoal is used in air filters, water filters. When you go to the hospital with a drug overdose, that's what they use. They use activated charcoal. So I I also took along with me um, some um, samples of charcoal. I I had some in... uh, Bottles like this, put a few spoonfuls of charcoal in the bottle and um, mixed it with water. And I, I handed out some of these. I also had some bags with uh, charcoal in them. And I had some very thankful people. They were so glad. Uh, in fact, one man I came across, he said, you know what? He says, I'm, he says, I'm making charcoal. And he was excited. Another guy, um, he invited me in his house. And I said, you know what? I said, uh, I said, my, my printer ran out of ink, and so I don't have very many hard copies of this. He said, I said, can you just take a picture of this on your phone so you can have this charcoal information? He said, yeah. He said, come on in. He talked to me and visited with me. He said, hey, he said, I'll make you some copies. So he took the copy off his phone, ran it off his printer, and gave me uh, a, a nice little stack of copies so I had more hard copies to take along with me. Uh, but anyway, um, I trust a good work was done there. Um, I just heard recently a friend of mine who um, was telling about a son uh, of a coworker who had been bit by a spider, very poisonous spider, and the flesh continued to eat away, and the doctor did not know what to do about it. And my friend Josh Young is his name. He told his coworker what to do for the son. They put the charcoal on there, and that wound healed up just fine. Charcoal is wonderful. You know, it's good for bee venom and so forth. Uh, I'll tell you one or two other things here about this. <clears throat> but anyway, this is free. It's clean. It's free. Uh, this will not spoil or rot. You can keep it right in your cupboard. 
Uh, in fact, what I do, I have a bottle like this of charcoal water. I t- every morning, I get up and take a swallow of it. That's what I do. Run it through my system just as a matter of routine to pull out toxins and, and uh, uh, things like that. Um, some years ago, I sold to a man, uh, so I sell health products as well as books. I sold to a man a little rebounder that you bounce on. And, um, and then, uh, well, I don't know exactly when he contracted his cancer. But anyway, I saw him almost a year ago. And this man told me, he said, he said I am alive because of that rebounder. He, he is battling with cancer very successfully. He bounces on a rebounder for five minutes every hour. Pumps that lymphatic system. Uh, act, that also activates white blood cells. But anyway, I saw the man again recently. And I happened to have, uh, he still was dealing with issues in his mouth, um, like uh, swelling in here and around his throat and, you know, difficulty swelling, or my tongue, difficulty swallowing. And so um, I happened to have with me a mix of charcoal powder, just dry, and psyllium powder. Have you ever heard of psyllium powder? P-S-Y-L-L-I-U-M, psyllium powder. You mix it approximately 60% psyllium powder and about 40% charcoal. You mix that together and then you just keep adding water till it becomes like a, a like Play-Doh, just like a Play-Doh. And you can use that for a, a poultice on the body to draw out poisons. It's very good. So I told that man about this. And um, so he made up little things of this and he would keep in his mouth all day long. That's not completely true. He said he'd keep it in his mouth all day long and all day and all night. <laughs> That's how he was using it. But anyway, I saw him again a couple months later, and he I saw him recently again. He said, you know what? He says, that swelling in there, my throat's gone. He says, now I can swallow easier. By wearing that charcoal poultice in his mouth, it actually pulled it out. So um, now I'm, I don't want to say that this is a remedy every time, but I have a friend who um, used the charcoal Thing like that in his tooth, he said, for three days he packed it constantly. He said, I avoided a root canal. It's pretty amazing how it draws out poison. I got a question here. Yes, I understand though that uh, you cannot take charcoal within uh, four hours if you're taking medication because it will absorb the medication. Is that true? Amen. You're so helpful. <laughs> yeah, and I would explain that. You're so helpful. I would explain that to people at the door. Now, here's the suggestion I got from a friend of mine who's a doctor, whatever that's worth. But, you know, I do respect people that are doctors. But he said um, two hours before medication, and then he suggested once you've taken medication, wait six hours to take charcoal again. So you got to space it out. That is true. If you're taking medication, this stuff will neutralize it. All right? So here's a free bottle of charcoal. Yeah, go ahead. You said rebounder. You're talking about a trampoline. Yeah, that's a little trampoline you bounce on. They're about 10 inches tall. You just, as you go up and down, it Strengthens your body, pumps the lymphatic system. Those are really good for you. And uh, so anyway, I thought I'd share that with you real briefly. I do want to share one other thing here just on the line, uh, just for your information, but something like this. So I want to tell you about this, too. Um, you wouldn't know what this is with, unless I told you. I have here a little bag of something called wheat germ. You ever heard of wheat germ, raw wheat germ? Uh, this is the germ from the wheat grain, and it has 75% of the vitamin B and the vitamin E. This, it's just like a neutral flavored, very tiny, flaky 
substance, all right? This stuff is tremendous. It is a treasure of nutrients. It has copper. It has zinc. And when you were fighting COVID, this would have been good, the zinc in there. It has vitamin B, vitamin E. It is very good for athletes. It's good for people who are under intellectual stress. Um, in the encyclopedia I have on the foods and their healing power, it tells about, it doesn't say every time, but there were some studies done by a man named Professor Stepp who got people off of insulin by using four to five spoonfuls of wheat germ per day. Okay? So anyway, if anybody wants a bag of wheat germ, I got it here. Anybody wants a bottle of charcoal after church? I've got it here too. Okay? So let's bow our heads and have a prayer. Father in heaven, we are very thankful for the opportunity to be here in your presence today. And we want to thank you for the Lord Jesus. We want to thank you for his angels. We want to thank you for his intercession, his soon coming. And we thank you for this moment. We pray that because your spirit is here, that it will be well spent. And that he who gave the Bible will speak to our hearts today as we open the Bible. And we ask these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. I'd like for you to take your Bibles and open to the book of Galatians. I want to look briefly there at the book of Galatians. I'm now looking at chapter 1 in the book of Galatians, and um, I want to read a few verses, and then we will go to 1 Thessalonians briefly. Galatians chapter 1, we're looking at verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Now, I want to come back to this text, but before I do, I want to take you to another verse in the uh, book of Thessalonians, uh, Thessalonians uh chapter 1st Thessalonians chapter 2 and uh, verse 13 1st Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 <clears throat> okay <clears throat> are you there 1st Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 now what we're going to read here is a directive that we need to keep in mind whenever we're reading the word of god okay so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, it says this. For this cause also, thank we God without ceasing. Because that when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. 
So Paul is saying here in this text, what I am saying to you is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it is the word of God, it is not only truth, but it is the power of God to transform the human heart and to deliver it from sin. So when we read the Bible, we need to read the Bible in a quest, as it were, on a journey, as it were, looking for our Savior. And when we look for our Savior, when we read his word, we will find him because he is there. Christ said himself, he said, search the scriptures. For the... For in them you think you understand, or excuse me, for in them you think you have eternal life. Now when Christ said you think, this was not a vague statement. He was simply saying, when you read the Bible, you understand the fact that in the Bible is eternal life. He said, search the scriptures for, um, search the scriptures. For in them you think, I'm trying to think, how does that go? But anyway, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which under, uh, testify of me. Is that how it goes? Okay. So anyway, let's go back to the book of Galatians here. And I want to look here at this uh, um, text in chapter 1. Then we're going to go to chapter 2 briefly. Galatians chapter 1, the text we just read. He says, I marvel you are so soon remove him from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Obviously, in Paul's day, and identical to our day, there is a battle going on between truth and error, between God and the devil, over what is truth and what is error. And it's continually seeking to insert itself into the church. And this is why we have to be completely wide awake, brothers and sisters. We have to be continually analyzing our own thinking, the thinking of others, what we read. And obviously, as the brother was bringing out today, the world is bombarding us with its intellectual trash, which is a terrible waste of our time. Number one, we need to weed that those things out. And then even in the context of the church, we must be wide awake. Am I hearing truth or am I hearing error? We've got to be very, very wide awake. Okay? Now, when you read in Revelation chapter 14, we know that we are the three angels movement. Right? God has raised up the Seventh Adventist Church to be the three angels movement, declaring the hour of God's judgment come, the everlasting God gospel, the fall of Babylon, the warning against worshiping the beast in his image. And the beast is Roman Catholicism. The mark is Sunday keeping, or it will be. Okay? All right? So we as a people have been raised up to do this work. One of the things that we, I think that we need to uh, practice more in our study of the Bible, and that is the, is what's, what the Bible calls is meditation. This simply means lingering over a text and dwelling upon it Thoroughly. Okay? There was a Christian uh, who once wrote, um, uh, he said, it is not he who reads the most. It is not he who reads the most. But it's he who meditates the most. 
who will make the choicest, wisest Christian. You know, uh, Martin Luther had a, a, a companion um, <clears throat> named Melanchthon. Um, and let me just tell you this: <laughs> the men, the 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 men that the Reformation produced under God were tremendous men. Melanchthon was one of them. I just want to speak now to the point of their intellectual advancement. For this reason, brothers and sisters, God is calling us in this day to make tremendous advancement intellectually. For this reason, for the glory of God and for the sake of acquiring truth. Okay? Now, you've probably heard of Erasmus, right? The man who who did, who, uh, did the Greek translation of the uh, Bible in the time of the Reformation uh, and as they say, Erasmus uh, laid the egg and Luther hatched it. Erasmus was known to be so brilliant that he could do 10 hours of intellectual labor in one hour compared to other men. Okay? It is said that Erasmus admired Melanchthon for his attainments. Let me quote to you from from. Lengthen on the concept on the concept of meditation. Melanchthon said the spirit of God loves retirement and seclusion. It is then that he impresses himself most deeply upon the heart. I would encourage you in your study and your reading of the Bible and the spirit of prophecy, but especially in your study of the Bible. Yeah, it's fine to read the Bible. It's fine to read it. But you but please pick some passages and meditate on them. Drink them drink from them. J. A. Wiley says that Martin Luther, before he had his own Bible, he he didn't have one, but he found one chained in the chapel, and he would often go there, and as you read there in the book Great Controversy, as he would read that book, he would say, Oh, that God would give me such a book. But J.A. Wiley says that there were times when Martin Luther would spend an entire day meditating on simply one Bible verse. There's tremendous power in a Bible passage. And you'll be amazed as you read it over. One of the things that I did last year, and now I decide I want to take a bite on Psalms 119. It's going to take me a while because of all the other things. But I want to memorize that chapter. I love it. But last year I memorized eight uh, chapters from the book of Psalms, and so part of my devotions in the morning, I go over one of those each morning three times to review it and drink it again from it. Tremendous passages. But we need to meditate on the word of God because in it is the knowledge and the power that we need to proclaim this message um, in these last days. Okay? So let's take a look here at uh, Galatians chapter um, <clears throat> And while you're going to chapter 2, I would like to read to you. I have a little book here called Studies in the Book of, Re- uh, I'm sorry, Studies in the Book of Galatians by A.T. Jones. I will read you a passage here in this book that I think you'll find to be interesting. <coughs> Galatians 
He says this, as we have now passed the preliminaries and have come to the study of the real substance of the book of Galatians, the first thing to be noted is the surpassing value of what is here to be studied. Brothers and sisters, you know what? One of these days, we don't know what platform we're going to be on. For sure, but we have been told an inspiration. If God has ever spoken by me, the time will come when we will be called before the great men of the earth and authorities and courts of law and justice, etc., etc., to answer for our faith. And she says at that time, there are going to be many people who will be in deep regret because of their superficial pursuit of truth, and they do not feel like they're, they will feel their incompetence at that time. Okay? So on whatever level you live, you, know, you may be a mommy raising babies and whatever your circumstances are. You know, I'm not Jay and Andrews. I'm not Melanchthon, right? But you know what? Shouldn't I take inspiration from these men and in my own right and in my own world try and make progress in the Christian life and in knowledge for Christ's sake, right? Now, A.T. Jones is saying, he says, we need to know the surpassing value of what is to be here studied. Now, the point I'm trying to make here is this. Well, I was just got a little distracted. The three angels' messages in Revelation chapter 14 are the last gospel message to go to the world. And in order to preach that message, not only do we need to know the book of Revelation, we need to know the book of Galatians. Certainly Matthew, John, and other. Do you see what I'm saying? So the better we know the rest of the Bible, the better we'll be be able to proclaim the gospel at at the time of the end. And obviously, I'm not going to digest the whole thing, but some things I want to thoroughly digest. And the book of Galatians is definitely one of my goals here to get it. I'm talking too much. I want to read what Jones says and pass on to something else. He quotes now from the text we just read, Though we are an angel from heaven, preaching the other gospel unto you, and that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that you have received, let him be accursed. Now listen, listen, I'm going to try and read this carefully, but listen to this. This shows that, that if there could be any distinctions made among the books of the Bible, then of all places in the Bible, the gospel in its perfect sincerity would be found in the book of Galatians. It would be found that whatever might be done with other books of the Bible must stand that in the book of Galatians, the gospel is presented in such truth that an even an angel from heaven could not alter it without incurring the curse. That is, without getting the curse. Even an angel from heaven could not change the book of Galatians without getting the curse pronounced there. Okay. This being so, surely a study of the book of Galatians should enlist the most earnest attention and the deepest interest of everyone who loves the gospel of Christ. Now, I'd like to take a look here for a moment at Galatians 2.20. It's a text you know, but I think we need to look at it again. So in Galatians 2.20, Paul says... I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, the... 
I want you to notice what the text does not say. I mean, there's many things it doesn't say, but I want you to notice one thing the text does not say. Okay? I'm talking now specifically in what the text, how it reads. Okay? The text does not say Paul is crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not Paul, but Christ liveth in me. It doesn't say that. It does not say that. Now, let me ask you this. What Galatians 2.20 says, is that true of Paul? Oh, I thought you would all jump up and say yes, right? Yeah, what Galatians 2.20 says is true of Paul. But it doesn't say Paul is crucified with Christ. I'm trying to make a point here. I don't want to tease you intellectually. It's a simple point. So don't. I'm not going real deep at the moment here. Look, the text says, listen, the text says, I am crucified with Christ. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved who? Paul or, or me? Me. It's true the Lord loved Paul. It's true Christ was, uh, Paul was crucified with Christ. But the text doesn't say that. The text was written so you can take it and make it your own. There is a tremendous power in this text. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now let me read you something here from Desire of Ages. In the book Desire of Ages, the prophet uses the very text that we're on right now and makes a comment on it. This, listen to this. In his promises and warnings, Jesus means me. Me. Don't exclude yourself. Mm-hmm. In his promises and warnings, Jesus means me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that I, by believing him, might not perish but have everlasting life. The experiences in God's word are to be my experiences. Prayer and promise, precept and warning are mine. This is page 390, Desire of Ages. Now listen. Quoting Galatians 2.20, it says this. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. As faith thus receives and assimilates the principles of truth, they become a part of the being and the motive power of the life. The word of God received into the soul molds the thoughts and enters into the development of character. So here's the point. It's for me. So when the Holy Spirit inspired Paul, yeah, it applied to Paul. But it applies to Pete and Eskia and June and, right? Me. Will you take it for your own? Just take it. Jesus will give it to you. Now, When you're tempted, make Galatians 2.20 yours. Okay? I want to bring to your mind another well-known verse. And I'm watching the clock. I'm going to quit, hopefully, 
not too long, but I would like to share some things before I'm out of here. Okay? There's another text I really want to share with you. You know this text, but you need to hear it again. It's Hebrews 7.25. You know what it says, don't you? Many of you should. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. It says he is able to save them to the uttermost. Come unto God by him. Brothers and sisters, part of our message is this great fact. That Jesus, our forerunner, has entered into the sanctuary in heaven as the mediator between God and man. All power has been given unto him in heaven and earth, and he is able to save the soul from sin. He's able to deliver it from the attacks of Satan. He's able to make it holy. He's able to do whatever needs to be done to save you and take you to his kingdom. He is able. He is able. Now, I would like to, for you to go to the book of 1 Peter, and then I'm going to come back to the book of Galatians. I want to point out a couple things to you from the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. 1 Peter 1 verse 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, he's talking now about the tribulations you go through. He says, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness. Ooh. Through what? Through what? Manifold temptations. I don't know that there's anybody here that enjoys opposition, temptation, harassment, right? And sometimes it can be a struggle, and that's lightly saying it, right? Do you know what the word manifold means? It means many-sided, many-sided, from many sides. Peter says, you may be in heaviness Because of many temptations coming from many sides. Yeah, you, good, yeah. Yeah, there you go. All directions, that's exactly right. All directions. Mm. That's why Paul says we need to take the shield of faith wherewith we should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the way, wherever they come from, right? Because they're going to drive in, right? Now, watch this. Go, so Peter says, if, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. Now let's go to chapter 4. And I want you to look at something else Peter says in verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Did you see here Peter says the man, manifold temptations and now he says manifold grace of God. It doesn't matter where the temptations come from or how many of them there are. The grace of God can meet every one of them and give you victory over them. Okay? 
Yeah. Now, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Brothers and sisters, here's the fact of the gospel. Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of the whole world. And because he died on the cross, his omnipotence has now gained a new dimension. He was and forever will be omnipotent as the creator and as God. Now, because he died on the cross, he is omnipotent as a savior from sin. He gained a new dimension to his omnipotence. He is now omnipotent as a savior from sin. And when God inspired the book of Galatians, he was thinking of you. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I want to share with you something about sin. Sometimes it can look really good. Let me share with you something else about sin. Every single time, it is a deception. And it's ruinous to the soul. I don't care how much pressure you feel. Do not give in to it. Hold on to these promises. You know, brothers and sisters, in our lives right now, we are choosing which side of the... Of the of the great controversy we're going to be on. Either we will join the government of God and be loyal to the government of God, or we will join the government of Satan and be loyal to the government of Satan. Either we will be transformed completely into the image of Christ and be like him, or we will be transformed completely into the image of Satan and be like him. Mm -hmm. And the, the message in the book of Galatians is this. There is nothing you can do to create or to receive the power of God, but simply to depend on the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. Right? There's no law, whether it's ceremonial or moral law, that can save you. Let me tell you something about the moral law. I'm talking now the Ten Commandments. The moral law is your friend because it tells you that you are lost. And the moral law is still your friend when you find Jesus because now it tells you that you have found the right Savior. The law tells you that you are out of Christ and once you have Christ, now it tells you that you have the right Christ because there's more than one Christ. There's many false Christs, but there's only one true Christ. See? So when you go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, it says, And they that are Christ, that is by faith, they've depended on Christ by faith, and they that are Christ have, have crucified. He's saying past tense. If you're in Christ, they have crucified the flesh with the affections and loves. Okay? I'm still in chapter 5. I'd like to comment on a couple of things there in Galatians. 
If you would, take a look at chapter 5, verse 16. It says this, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Okay, that text is good, but I want to look at verse 16. This I say then, now watch this, verse 16, this is very plain. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Did you get that? Do you see that? Amen. Walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How do you get the spirit? By faith. Paul said in Galatians chapter 3, he said, this only what I learn of you. This only what I learn of you. Received you the spirit by the works of the law. It doesn't matter what law is, whether ceremonial, moral. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law? The answer, obvious answer is no. Receive you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? It's by faith that the spirit of God, because it's a gift. There's nothing humans can produce or do to earn it. By faith, when we depend on Christ, depend on his word, the spirit of God comes into life and gives us victory. Okay? This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do you realize, brothers and sisters, that once you're converted, that doesn't mean the old man's gone? He's still there. And you know what? If you let him back in, he'll pop right up. And that's why Paul says you've got to kill him. Kill him every day. I die daily. And I'll tell you what, there might be a dozen times or 50 times in a day he tries to pop back up. But Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Hmm? Okay, listen to this. This is page 469 in the book Great Controversy. It says this. The Christian will feel... The Christian will feel the promptings of sin. But he will maintain a constant warfare against it. And you know what? Sometimes I don't like the warfare. You know what? I'd rather have heaven than hell. Amen. And I'd rather be loyal to my Savior who died for me than worship the dragon. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. When the devil's all done with you after he's... I shouldn't talk to you like that. When the devil's all done with the sinner who hasn't repented, what do they have? Isn't it awful? Brothers and sisters, look at what he's doing to humanity. Are your eyes awake? I'm sure yeah, they probably are. It's terrible what's going on in this world. Absolutely terrible. Do you want to be on that side? No. I don't want to be on that side. I want to love my Savior. Okay? Now, Paul plainly says that if you do the works of the flesh, you won't be in the bright world. Read it right there in Galatians 5. Now the works of the flesh are, are, are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay?
We have been told in the book Patriarchs and Prophets that the very same thing that Satan did to the children of Israel just before they came into the land of promise, he's going to try and do to God's people at the end. And I'm going to talk to you now. There's many sins we could address, but I'm going to talk to you about one now that's commonly referred to that I don't refer to hardly ever in the pulpit, but I'm going to now. And it's the sin of violating the seventh commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay? Let me share something with you. Don't go to hell for that one. Okay? I I want to explain this to you. Jesus may seem strict. But there's reasons for it. Okay? There's all kinds of circumstances. And I want to enumerate them for you. There are probably those who are not married who wish they were married. Right? There are those who are widows who wish they weren't widows. Right? There's all kinds of circumstances. People have to be separated from their partners. Whatever. Right? How about the person who their spouse says, you will never be with me behind closed doors ever again? Think about their temptations. Let me share something with you. In all these things, Jesus says, stay pure. And I will give you grace to do it. Now, if you need to be married... God will help you find a partner. But number one, what God requires is purity. Do you realize, you know, when you read in the book of of Isaiah, God says, do you know what a eunuch is? See, someone doesn't have a marriage partner. Okay? Right? So there are some, and and Jesus said there are some people who are born eunuchs. Okay? That's the way they're born. There are some people who are made eunuchs of men. Daniel was made a eunuch. He couldn't have a wife. He wouldn't even desire one after they got done with him. Um... And then there are those who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of God, like Paul did, okay? When you read in Isaiah chapter 56, Paul... uh, When you read in Isaiah chapter 56, Isaiah talks about, obviously under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, here's what God says of the eunuchs. God says of the eunuchs, he says, of the eunuchs who, who do the things that please me. In other words, God is saying in Isaiah 56, they serve me. They don't, have a, a, they don't have a love partner, if we could term it that way, but they serve me and they are loyal to me. You know what he says? He says, in heaven, I'm going to give you a place and a name better than of sons and of daughters. Now, here's the point. If you suffer for doing right because you're not going to be immoral, God's watching that, and in the kingdom, eternal kingdom, he is going to reward you for your loyalty to him. So whether you're single or married, your loyalty is to the marriage institution that God has made. Whether you can have what you want or not. Right? You'll read a very interesting quote in the book, uh, Mind, Character, and Personality. Ellen White talks about 
those who are tempted with low and sensual thoughts. Okay? And she says this. She says, when the devil tries to tempt you with low and sensual thoughts, and the Lord sees in your mind a determined effort to retain only pure thoughts, she says, he will draw your mind just like a magnet and pull it out of there and help you think pure things. Isn't that good? Let me share something with you. The person who is controlled by lust is not a free person. They are a slave. The person who is pure is the true free person. Let me share with you something about love. The Bible says Jacob loved Rachel. You know what? He loved her so much he was happy to wait for her for seven years. Love controls itself. And when we get to heaven, we're going to see even better than we see now. How wonderful Christ is, how wonderful it is to follow him in purity. Should I quit? I don't know if you want to hear more or not. (laughs) Because I was going to kind of go on to another subject. Out of the book of Galatians. You want to hear a little bit? (laughs) So anyway, look. You know, I I think that there's a, a, like, a heartbeat in this church, like, we want truth, right? Okay, so what I'm going to say to you, I don't want you to take as a criticism towards you per se, but... My encouragement to you, brothers and sisters, is that we are not wide awake enough when it comes to the battle between truth and error. Okay? Look, when you go to the book of Galatians, you see a story in the early church where both Paul and Peter, there are two big shots there in church. Right? I don't want to trivialize the word of God, but they were big shots in the church. Okay? And one of them went wrong. And the other one stood up to him. And Paul rebuked Peter. He said, hey, you're not doing it right. And they had already conferred in a meeting together as to what the gospel was, and here Peter was capitulating. So Paul had to straighten him out. I suppose uh, Peter maybe at that time thought, oh, no, here it goes again. This is me. I I caved into social pressure when it came to the crucifixion of Christ. I was ashamed of him. Here I am doing it again. And I think he was very glad to accept the rebuke. Okay. We have got to be tenacious for truth. And like they say, you don't learn about counterfeit money by, by, not, by studying a bunch of counterfeit money. You learn, by, you learn about counterfeit money by studying the true stuff. Okay? So we need to be studying the word of God real diligently. Amen. Please don't mind me saying this, but have you ever heard of Pastor Tutong in Pilgrim's Progress? Did you hear about him? All those characters in Pilgrim's Progress. By the way, you can listen to a very nice rendition of Pilgrim's Progress on YouTube. And Ellen White says that man breathed the atmosphere, atmosphere of heaven when he wrote that book. But he had a lot of different characters. And one of the characters in Pilgrim's Progress was Pastor Tutong. You know what that means, right? Sometimes he says the truth and sometimes he says the error. Okay? All right. 
I'm just going to go with this real quick and then wrap it up. I just want you to encourage you, brothers and sisters, to be wide, have your eyes wide open when you read the quarterly. Okay? Um, I don't know if you noticed her. Well, you probably did. But do you know the man that they quoted this week in the quarterly? Is considered the father of existentialism. Do you know what existentialism is? It's where you determine truth by your own experience. Okay? In fact, let me um, read to you just, okay, so existentialism is you, uh, Soren Kierkegaard is the name, okay? He's the father of circumstance, uh, excuse me, of existentialism, of existentialism, which means you determine truth by your own experience. Do you realize that's a, a philosophy totally hostile to the word of God? If you look up his name, it says he was well known for being critical, critical of a scholarly reading of the Bible. Oh, really? It says many of his writings were directed, were a directed assault against all Christendom. Why are we quoting authors like this in our quarterly? Okay. Why do we call, quote a Presbyterian famous author in our quarterly who is out of Babylon when we're trying to uh, study and understand the three angels' messages? Okay, I'll just tell you this. I spend seconds reading the quarterly. I don't mind looking at it. I don't mind going with the subject. But my eyes are peeled wide open in there. In fact, if you want, I will analyze for you a statement that was very recently made in the quarterly. My concern is there's an undermining of truth in the quarterly. Okay. Let me read you a statement that was recently made in the quarterly. I just want to analyze this with you a little bit. Any wonder then that salvation must be by faith and without the deeds of the law? It's page 24 in the quarterly. Okay. Now listen. Can you find any fault with that statement? I can't. Salvation must be by faith and without the deeds of the law. What could we possibly add? Eh, I don't really have a problem with that statement. And now listen to the bombshell they put in the next sentence. What could our works, even the best, now listen to this. What could our works, even the best intentioned, Holy Spirit filled works, they're saying you're filled with the Holy Spirit now, add to what Christ has done for us at the cross. Do you realize that this statement is a very cleverly aimed insinuation that it is not possible to completely obey the law of God and that even with the spirit of God resident in the life you are still deficient in the sight of God in carrying out the will of God and obeying his will this is a direct assault on the teaching of scripture and the spirit of prophecy that says Christ will give us power to overcome yeah and it's all through the Bible but in 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 I'm, I'm just saying, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this. This is kind of a, but I'm just saying we have got to have our eyes wide awake. We need to have our minds so immersed in scripture. Here's what's happening. A lot of people are, are blazing through the quarterly. They're reason, reading the comments. They're taking it as gospel, and they're not really into the Bible and Bible, Bible students. Some years back, and I can't, I, I'm unable to get my hands on the document, but some years back I took a look at maybe about um, a couple years worth of quarterlies, and I tracked down the, the um uh, authors that were quoted in there, non-Adventist authors. A fair, a fair segment of them were Jesuits. Yeah. 
So I'm just saying, hey, let's let's have our eyes wide awake. Look, Paul Paul had not only to contend with a brother who was weak at the moment. Peter got straightened out, right? Praise God. Uh, but he had other men in the church who were hypocrites, and they were teaching a false gospel. We have got to be wide awake to the true gospel. But if you will take Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to wrap it up with a story and a quote, a, a Bible verse, and then we'll be done. And it's a quote from uh, Spirit of Prophecy. Um, so this, I, I like this story. Um, many years ago, it was here in Cincinnati, Ohio. There was a little boy in a shop. He was just a poor kid, dressed in rags, and he came in to buy a book, but he didn't have the dollar that it would take to buy the book. He wanted a geography book so he could see where his father, who had passed away, had traveled in the world. He didn't have enough money. He left the shop. He was leaving the money. There was a man in there named uh, Judge Pemberton who called out uh, or started talking to the boy. And he said, well, after he found out he couldn't afford the book, he said, can I follow you? And the boy said, well, yeah. The boy continued on going to till he went to five shops, and he finally found a geography book that he could afford. It was only 62 cents. I'm sorry, 50 cents, and he had 62, so he had enough for the book. And the judge asked the boy about himself. He said, yeah, my daddy's dead, and... I work and my mommy works. He said, I just want to know where my father traveled the seas. The judge said to him, he said, can I give you $20? So he gave him $20, and the boy was so happy. He said, can I buy another book for my mom, another book for me? And the judge says, yeah, you can. So many years later, the same judge was on an ocean voyage from the U.S. over to uh, Liverpool. They went across the ocean, came into a very bad storm, and uh, the ship sprung a leak, and the men on the ship were desperately trying to bail out the water to keep the ship afloat. Without success, the ship was starting to lose the battle. And um, the judge, when the captain came by, he said, do you think, Captain, we're going to make it? He says, look, he says, as long as this ship is one inch above water, he says, we're going to do everything we can to make it to, the, to, to shore. There was no way lifeboats would even do it. They finally made it to shore, and all the people got off, and as the judge passed the captain, the captain said to the judge, I'm, excuse me, yeah, the captain said to the judge, his, the captain's name is William Waverly. He said, do you remember me? He said, I'm that same little boy. But the point of the story is, brothers and sisters, don't give up. Don't ever give up. You may be in a really bad battle. You know what it says in the book, Acts of the Apostles? I want to read this for you and quote a verse, and then I'll, then I'll be done. I love this quote. Talking about Paul, it says, One aim he kept steadfastly before him, to be faithful to the one who at the gate of Damascus had revealed himself to him. From this aim, nothing had power to turn him aside, to exalt the cross of Calvary. This was the all-absorbing motive that inspired his words and acts. The great purpose that constrained Paul to press forward in the face of hardship and difficulty should lead every Christian worker to consecrate himself wholly to God's service. Worldly attractions will be presented to draw his attention from the Savior, but he is to press on toward the goal, showing to the world, to angels and to men, that the hope of seeing the face of God is worth all the effort and sacrifice that the attainment of this hope demands. Amen. Amen. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back, but of them that believe 
to the saving of the soul. God bless you. Pray for me, and I'll pray for you. I want you to know I love you, and I'm thankful for you. I feel honored to be here, and I thank you for your love. God bless you. Before we pray, I would like to challenge you, and I want to get a commitment from you. Well, lots of commitments. Be missionaries for Christ, but the thing I had in mind, that's totally what we need to do. But please spend at least 10 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day in meditation. Take a text, meditate on it, memorize it. And once you get it memorized, super memorize it. Burn it into your mind, repeat it, and keep drinking from it. You will be amazed how often a text will illuminate your circumstances and be just what you need to encourage you through. Psalms 119 is wonderful. Many of them are, but meditate on God's word. It is absolutely wonderful. I delight in thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we praise you for your word. We praise you for all you've done for us. And we praise you that Jesus is coming soon. We know that probation is soon going to be closing. This last message is going to go. And we want to be right in sync with you. We want to be among those who love your appearing, who you take up out of this world to your eternal kingdom where sin and sorrow will no more reign. We praise you here and now. And we will praise you then by your grace. Keep us faithful to that day. Help us to walk humbly before thee and in complete dependence upon your word. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.